Kirby Smart mm-hmm. being the active head coach, having to deal with these these situations day in and day out, having to manage this uh, program day in and day out, and um, hopefully he can step into that and find his voice as that ambassador in college football and really lean into being um, the top dog. Oh, no! Welcome back into the Dog Dispatch. Uh, I am John Smith, your host. Um, I'm here with my good friend, uh, Coach Chris Hayes. Coach, how are we doing this week? Oh, we're doing great. It's a great week right now, getting ready for the offseason. True look at a lot of speculations over the next few months, especially with all the news that we've been uh, taking in for the last couple of weeks. Boy, it has been um, a lot of news, a lot of news this week. So uh, thanks for everybody uh, subscribing to the channel. If you're new here, we appreciate you listening. Um, if you can do us a favor and subscribe to our YouTube channel, um, hit the like button uh, and also uh, subscribe wherever you find your podcast. We'd really appreciate it. It really helps the show. So um, this week, this is episode two. So we're just getting warmed up. Uh, me and coach are going to be here for, for a while every week uh, going through all things Georgia football. And so today we're going to talk a, a little bit of Georgia adjacent uh, to start. The big news in college football this week is uh, obviously Nick Saban uh, retiring. Um, man, we we had a lot of legends either hang it up or get pushed out this week. Uh, Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, and uh, of course the the greatest college football coach of all time, um, Nick Saban. Um, obviously, this has reverberations throughout college football. This has implications all the way down the line that we don't know yet as we're sitting here recording. Um, we don't know who the next coach at the University of Alabama is going to be. Uh, so we can talk about that a little bit. But what I want to do is just kind of start uh, the conversation tonight with Nick Saban. Um, what, coach, I would love your perspective. What, what do you think Nick Saban's biggest legacy is in college football, right? So the guy, it's so deep. He has um, uh, the most national championships of any college football coach in history. Uh, he has more uh, uh, NFL uh, first-round draft picks at Alabama than he had losses at Alabama. Um, yeah. Just the just the depth, the coaching tree, all those things. But as you look across the landscape <clears throat> and you look at really the legacy and the history and 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 kind of the biggest impact that Nick Saban has made on the game of, of football as a whole and, and college football specifically – what are some takeaways that that folks can take away from from Nick Saban's career? Coach Saban to me is an ambassador. He is truly someone who took the dynamic of the game and truly began this unprecedented mentality of becoming like a CEO. He realized that he couldn't just be a great ball coach, which he is. Great X's and O guy, very good defensive coach. I've watched him personally. Uh, being out at camps and things of that nature in Tuscaloosa and watching him operate is such a well-dolled machine. And so what I know that he has to do is parallel that same scope across everything that he does from managing his players to recruitment to the media. And what's nice about that is that if you look at it, even though a lot of people out there that dislike him because of who he coaches there is still an utmost respect for his program and for him personally. 
that's the reason why you see so many dog fans. I mean, you cannot mm-hmm. sit there and, and slander him. I mean, he is absolutely as many hairs have I pulled out of my head yeah. of them at times not giving us the opportunity to be where we want to be at and, you know, mm-hmm. having some doors slammed in our face. You still have to respect him because to me, what he brought was a multifaceted approach to the game of football and truly to me became the first true CEO of his program from A to Z. Yeah. It reminds me of Michael Jordan, right? You think about somebody that's a pinnacle of their, of their, of their game, the greatest to ever do it. Um, there were a lot of New York Knicks fans, a lot of Indiana Pacer fans in the nineties that did not like Michael Jordan, right? Cleveland um, Cavaliers. Too. Uh, yeah. Cleveland Cavaliers, maybe especially the Cleveland Cavaliers, but, oh you, my look, God. but you look back and, and, and there is, there are a lot of people who did not like the guy because of who he played for. Um, who he represented, the organization he represented, but you have to absolutely respect what he was able to accomplish, what he was able to do. And, and Nick Saban is certainly one of those. I think, you know, I was on a show earlier um, this week talking about Nick Saban, and um, my my takeaway from him is is I love your the way you summed it up, an ambassador of the game, um, which I think is, is so true. Um, but, man, it was just consistency. I think what was – what truly – um, it was, was so surprising and so, um, just honestly inspiring in many ways, uh, of, of Nick Saban's career is how consistent he was and how it was always about the process, how he, you know, the, the outcome, uh, was, uh, was a result of all of the stuff along the way, right? It was, it was exactly, how, yeah, it was just how you, uh, that belief of uh, like like I used to hear, you know, uh, back in the day when I was a young lad uh, getting uh, getting schooled by by my elders was uh, how you do one thing is how you do everything. Right. And Nick Saban mm-hmm. embodied that in his consistency. Um, and I think that's what was was so impressive that uh, through coordinator turnover, through player turnover, through changes in NIL, through changes in the way that uh, offenses, you know, approach the game, defenses approach the game. Uh, the guy was just consistent in the way that he went about leading his program, running his program, and obviously got the results um, uh, as a as a result of that. Um, t- Coach, I would love to he- hear your thoughts. Um, you know, obviously Nick Saban, um, there's going to be a domino effect. What what does Nick Saban not being on the sideline when Georgia comes to Tuscaloosa in the fall mean for Kirby Smart? For the Georgia Bulldogs, for the Georgia program, and I would say for the, you know, maybe college football at large, but maybe we can just focus on the SEC at large. What does Nick Saban not being on that sideline mean for the rest of the league and for Kirby Smart uh, specifically? There's such a domino effect because what I wanted to say right before we went into this, and I will answer the question, is that part of that facet that we talked about was a culture change. It took about two to three years, which I find to be the window for most coaches coming into their program once they build their recruiting base Mm -hmm. and they get kids in that they want and they build a culture that all of a sudden it becomes a well old machine and you don't have to necessarily just got to come in and maintenance it because it becomes, like I said, a very facet of what that coach believes and everything is emulated by it. The thing that I want to see is this sort of spectral array takes place in the SEC and things scatter because all of a sudden now we don't have really necessarily the 
the person at the top and you see just one person at that 0.1% right below it is that Kirby Smart obviously should take the reins Mm -hmm. of being the king of college football because he fit that very same sort of casting of what Coach Saban had brought. But what I'm going to be really wanting to see is now Coach Smart has to get out of the shadow, truly 100% out of the shadow of Coach Saban and create his own true identity to where he takes on that role to be the one now who is setting the precedent to everyone else in college football. So to see Coach Saban not on the other sideline is mm-hmm. going to be very <laughs> eye-opening. I really yeah. do know that with a new coach coming in, whoever they do hire, mm-hmm. it's going to be different because all of a sudden now the mindset, the history, the you know the back and forth of knowing trying to outwit someone who you sat in a coach's office with for almost a decade and went to war with every day trying to figure out how I'm going to take what you just drew up on the board and defend it. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden you're across the field from him and now that's no longer there. So what I want to see hopefully from Coach Smart as he looks across the Alabama sideline and to all the SEC, that he becomes the new standard that everybody's trying to reach and get to. Mm-hmm. Some programs are working on that, but I really want to see Coach, somehow he's going to have to identify into this world of, you know what, I'm the upper echelon of everything that is the SEC now, and people are wanting to set their standard after me and create that identity that hopefully, it's you know, Coach Saban is not going to be somebody you want to forget because obviously of his legacy and what he left, but to all of a sudden it become, it's Coach Smart's world now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Kirby Smart has such an opportunity to grab college football by the reins, right? I mean, you, mm-hmm. he, the guy, um, it's, it's him, Dabo Sweeney. And as of right now, Jim Harbaugh is still, uh, is still a college football coach. It's those relevant. are the, yeah, <laughs> those are the only three head coaches in college football that have a national championship. Um, right, right, right now. Right. right. So, mm-hmm. Um, and Georgia is coming off of, uh, you know, um, is coming off of a a twenty nine game win streak where they won two back to back national championships in a row. Just beat Florida State sixty three to three and set a bowl record um, of margin of victory in the Orange Bowl. Um, Kirby Smart has all the momentum to grab this by the reins and um, and to be that guy that the rest of the college football world wants to emulate. They already have, by the way. Uh, you saw uh, Matt Rule. Um, this past season, there was a there's a uh, it went viral one of his press conferences where he mm-hmm. said an NFL scout came by uh, their practice and said uh, we're the we're the second hardest practicing team in college football and number one is Georgia right. and he said and he said Matt Rule said we'll catch them you know he was like so so you already have this um, Georgia is already already there at the at the top of the mountain um, but that. That little setback in that SEC championship game, that three-point loss to Nick Saban, um, for whatever reason, you know, we can be honest, and, and y'all hear us uh, as we talk about Georgia. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, you'll hear us be, uh, we are Georgia fans. We don't hide that on this show, uh, but we are also uh, objective, right? And exactly. something, for, for whatever reason, there was some some block with Kirby Smart and Nick Saban. Uh, the guy... Um, you know, there was no reason that Georgia should have lost that game. 
Um, there was no reason that, you know, honestly, that Georgia should have lost the 2021 SEC championship. You can go down some of these losses, and and obviously, um, whether it was Nick Saban knowing Kirby Smart's tendencies, whether it was tightness because you're coaching against the greatest of all time, or maybe the you know the game's too big, um, but that that is no longer there uh, for Kirby Smart. And I think you you have an opportunity to truly step in and embrace the role of not only the the best coach at running the best program in college football. What I hope Kirby Smart embraces is being that ambassador, right? So he's trying to be that. He mentioned after the Orange Bowl, college football has to decide what it's going to be going forward. And I think him being able to use his voice and step into that into that void of Nick Saban as an active head coach. Obviously, Nick Saban isn't going anywhere. He'll probably be on TV on ESPN oh, yeah. doing his thing. Without um, a doubt. But Kirby Smart yeah. being the active head coach, having to deal with these these situations day in and day out, having to manage this uh, program day in and day out, and um, hopefully he can step into that and find his voice as that ambassador in college football and really lean into being um, the top dog. You know, uh, I really thought that he did. Yeah, I was going to say, I really thought he did a good job in the press conference and the presser post after the Orange Bowl was, you know, how he always uses sort of indirect ways to motivate his own players about certain situations. I think he was the spokesperson and did the very same thing, but he spoke out to all of college football and what he was trying to say. They have got to fix something that is broken. And uh, I thought that was very. gutsy on his part to really step out of sort of a I don't say a comfort zone because I don't think he has a problem calling people no, out but no, definitely not. <laughs> exactly but you know to be able to go outside sort of his little locker room and mm-hmm. be able to talk about sort of college football as the realm itself I think was really good for college football to hear it from a head coach who's had it's got any if anybody has room to be happy about where their program's at but still be sitting there going hey we've got to fix something in this because it's broken Yep. to a certain extent that was huge coming from him yeah and i think you know now now you're moving into a new world expanded sec expanded big 10 uh the pac-12 doesn't exist anymore expanded playoffs um you know and you and you're gonna have to this this whole scenario which we'll talk about as the offseason goes on but this whole scenario of of there's gonna be so many things that that coaches are gonna have to figure out this year that they haven't had to deal with and i'm not talking about nil i'm not talking about transfer portal i'm not talking about any of those things I'm talking about contenders having potentially two more games that you got to play, which means like, how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you run your practices? How do you run your conditioning? How do you load management? (laughs) You know? And so um, I think there's so many things facing these coaches. And I think Kirby smart has an opportunity to just truly step in and be that guy and be that voice. And, uh, and I think he'll do it. I think he'll do it hopefully uh, willingly and and happily um, because I think he, he's obviously earned the right, um, and, uh, and man, um, there's no one, many have tried, many have tried. No one has been able to, uh, to replicate. And I'm not, and I'm not saying replicate the program. Cause I don't think Georgia people can say what they want. I don't think Georgia copied Alabama's program. Kirby smart did not take Nick Saban's exact blueprint verbatim and just pull it over and just copy it. What Kirby smart was able to emulate is he was able to, emulate all of those things, that consistency, that process, that focus on uh, getting better. We're going to focus on us. We're, we, we have to care about us. And, and um, if we're practicing, if our practices are harder than the games, if our conditioning is harder than the games, if we're yeah. showing up every day and with consistency, the outcome is going to take care of itself. And he was, you know, he was the, he was the first one of that Nick Saban um, 
coaching tree to be able to replicate that at the level um, uh, that Nick Saban um, had. And and it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how things go now, you know, because I don't see yeah. many people out there. Um, people can say what they want about what Sark did at Texas this year. And people can say what they want about what Lane Kiffin is building Ole Miss. But I don't see a lot of those guys from that Saban tree um, that has what Kirby Smart has. And he also has uh, on those guys, you know, he has a, a seven-year head start. Uh, yeah, two national championships behind them. So, um, a good leader too will take things that they like. Because I'm going to tell you this: when you mm-hmm. work for someone and you do have good leadership skills, yep. you've obviously got your own accolades and things that you want to bring to a program. And then what you do is, I'm sure that there were things that Kirby probably looked from Nick's background and what how he ran the program at Bama when he was there as the DC and said, "You know what? I like this. I don't like this." So you're right. I like the way you said that. When he came to Georgia, he he brought all the things that he liked about what Coach Saban had yep. instilled in him, but he also brought his own ideas too. And to me, that's the beauty of being a great leader is to be able to adapt and understand that you're building your culture of your personality. You're bringing your uh, persona into that program, and people want to be a part of that. If you can sell that and people invest in that, then that becomes a real-time deal and very important. And that, I agree. It, it's It's got to get to the point where that's what I like how you said that is that we are not emulating anymore what Coach Saban is about Georgia. It is, nope. co- it is Coach Smart's program. Yep. And it's what he has established over these seven to eight years and what he's going to have going forward. Yeah, there's no shadow to stand in anymore for Kirby Smart. So, nope. um, uh, so, uh, so I think it's his time uh, to, to take over college football, which I agree. By some measures, he already has the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, cool. Well, well moving on, um, we're going to talk uh, a lot more about Kirby Smart. We're going to talk a lot more about uh, the coaching landscape. Um, tell me, let's let's do one thing to tie this up in a bow, this, this Nick Saban retirement conversation. Do you think, maybe I'll ask it a, a different way. Is Glenn Schumann ready to be the head coach at the University of Alabama? No, I, I'll say that adamantly. Yeah. Um, as a defensive coordinator, you obviously need to work through the ranks. You have to be a position coach to me, work to become a coordinator where you're multitasking across multiple groups, but you still are a subordinate to your head coach. What Glenn needs to continue to work on is probably the fact that he needs the leadership skills things that are going to come at him once he becomes a head coach, because no one understands it. I have worked for so many great head coaches who knew so much ball, but they did not know how to organize their program. We're not good CEOs of the program. And in today's time, you can be a great motivator. You can say the right things and make kids want to run through the wall and play for you. You understand X's and O's completely. But I think where Glenn Schumann is lacking currently, even though he's working under one of the best Mm-hmm. Um, people there is in football, he still needs a little more experience, I think, from those other facets that we spoke about a while ago that Coach Saban and Coach Smart bring to the table. So that's just my personal opinion. I don't think yeah. he's ready yet. I yeah. think he would be set up for disaster going to Bama because he is going to have such high expectations to follow the best college football coach there is. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, I, I think as we as we sit here recording, um, Dan Lanning, has said he's staying in Oregon. Who knows if he was offered the job or not? Um, you've got um, Mike Norvell, who has has tweeted, you know, some cryptic tweets, uh, recruiting tweets. They've landed recruits that 
you know, maybe he's staying at, at uh, Florida State. Um, people have said that Lane Kiffin is is not being considered for the job. Um, I think, you know, if you go down the list of potential head coaches at Alabama, and um, I know a lot of Alabama fans have been pining for, ever, ever since Dan Lanning said he's staying in Oregon, have been pining for Glenn Schumann. Glenn Schumann, an Alabama graduate, he's his, uh, his dad um, uh, was uh, uh, a longtime um, uh, Alabama fan. Maybe, I think his dad may have even, uh, may have even played you know, back in the day, um, yeah. just a long history with that program. Yeah. With that program. Um, but he's, he's 33 years old. He's been calling plays, uh, at the university of Georgia for two years. And, um, and I think there's a big difference and I, you summed it up very well. It's the responsibility and the leadership of being the CEO of the entire program. And, um, if people think, um, if Alabama, let me say it this way, if Alabama thinks that a 33-year-old co-defensive coordinator who's been calling plays for two years, who is a fantastic coach, a fantastic – Without a one doubt. Of, one of the best defensive minds and defensive coaches in college football right now. But if you think you're ready to, uh, to host meetings with boosters, if you think you're ready to, to, to politic and negotiate – uh, with with the board of trustees and the university president and athletic director and all these people that are involved. I mean, it's the leap from um, being a really strong, good defensive coordinator to head coach is a giant leap in college football in general, which is why a lot of people fail at making the jump from coordinator to head coach. Uh, mm -hmm. Doing that from at 33 years old from uh, the University of Georgia to following Nick Saban in Alabama. Um, you know, if, if if it ends up happening um, for Glenn Schumann, uh, I I I hope he secures uh, the big big bag. So just because yes, when, when it goes down in flames, you'll have plenty of money and it'll be fine. Um, but but I think Glenn Schumann is is going to be a a great Power Five head coach um, one day, likely in the SEC one day. Um, I agree. I, I I hope that uh, I hope that the University of Alabama, and for his own sake, I hope they don't um, I hope they don't push it here. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that definitely, don't get me wrong, I do think he will eventually be a head coach somewhere mm -hmm. in a Power 5 program. I yep. just don't think he's personally ready for it now. Yep, makes sense. All right, well, switching gears, uh, th thanks, everybody, for listening to the Dog Dispatch. Um, like I said, if you if you can like and subscribe, um, follow us uh, on YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, you can find Coach's video breakdowns on his YouTube channel. Uh, follow him at Coach Hayes Huddle. Um, that's uh, H-U-D-L, uh, Coach Hayes Huddle. Follow him on Twitter. Um, would love for you to check out his stuff. He does great work breaking down um, offensive plays, defensive plays, uh, recruits, transfers, all things Georgia. Uh, even does a, a little bit of, you know, a breakdown of, of quarterback transfers who don't even make it inside the building. Well, I tell you uh, what, I'm efficient <laughs> now, man. <laughs> we got, we got, coach has breakdowns on people who are at USC now. Um, it's yep. so quick. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. But yeah, check out all of coach's stuff and, uh, and, and we will see you next time. Thank you guys.